Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In a forgotten pocket of southern Ohio, where American manufacturing and opportunity are drying up, a determined young woman finds a ticket out when she is accepted to college. Alongside her older brother, Ruth Avery joins a dangerous scrap metal crew in order to pay her way. Together, they spend one brutal winter working the scrapyards during the day and stealing valuable metals from the once thriving factories by night. The film is called Holler, and we're joined today by the writer and the director of the film, and that would be Nicole Regal. Nicole, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. There's something very much in the feel of this film that feels a lot like an autobiographical or, or semi-autobiographical story. Yes. Yes, that is accurate. So how did we go from that to making the film? What, what sort of was your journey as a filmmaker to have written the script and then where we sit today as uh, the film is about to be released into the world and uh, congratulations. So what was your journey like for, uh, for you as a writer, but also as a filmmaker? My journey was, was really, really hard. Um, I don't come from a filmmaking family or an art family. I'm the first in that way. And I was also the first generation to go to college. And that set me up for, you know, a lot of inspiration, but also just a really long path that led us to where we are, you know, today in this talk. It's a semi-autobiographical story. I wanted to tell a story about my own pursuit of an education and what it was like as a young woman in Southeast Ohio when you're trying to pursue higher education. Like the girl in the film is not even trying to pursue a filmmaking career. She's just trying to go to college. And in retrospect, I thought, wow, why was that so hard for me? Only once removed from it was I able to think about that narratively and why it was so hard for me and look at all of those elements of my life and the a school system and, and people around me that discouraged me, not because they're bad people, not because they're the bad, those are not the bad guys in the film. Park's not even the bad guy in the film. The big bad in the film is the system itself that I think even traps the teachers and the character of Hark, they're all fighting against the system that tells them they can't have more and maybe they shouldn't even want. This part of the country, we're talking about what used to be referred to as the industrial belt of America. This, this is the part of the country that built automobiles and steel mills and pretty much the infrastructure for what made America the incredible country that it is and was during a period of time. My reflection on what happened to the industrial belt without getting into a whole lot of political uh, discussion. And that is, <laughs> it is hard not to. And yeah. uh, there is an element of that in the film. Briefly, yeah. we, we, we hear the candidate for president speaking on, on yeah. how things are going to be better and such. But, uh, but this is the thing that's always struck me is that these people going back to the end of World War II till today, were promised, if you work hard, 
you can make a life, you can make a life for your family, you keep working hard and it will be there for you. And those people kept up their end of the bargain. Those people yeah. continue to work hard and work honestly to this day. What they're left with was kind of a hollowed out shell of a society and they didn't know what they did wrong. And I understand when I see and I hear people who are angry at the way that the country has gone, I don't blame them. Yeah, I agree. And I and I have and I have great empathy for those people because that's my family. And a part of why I made this film and what I think makes Holler so special, why I need everyone to go to a theater and see it June 11th is because this is the first film in recent memory, if ever, being released by a major distributor, major independent distributor about Appalachia made by one of their own. It's not the first film about Appalachia, but it's the first time Appalachia is not being treated as a research trip in Hollywood, where mm -hmm. outsiders are making the film, they've done, taken a research trip, they're gonna talk about addiction, how awful it is, you're gonna see terrible haircuts, and you're going to sort of condescend to this place. And then that region is going to reject that film and say, you don't understand us, and a way that that could be remedied in the filmmaking industry is for people like me to get the opportunity to be behind the camera and telling these stories. And that wasn't happening for me. And so I had to pick up a camera and go make it happen myself and do it myself outside the system. And that's why it's so important that everyone, you know, goes out and they see this film because it really is special. Nothing like this film has been made in Hollywood before. You made a short film basically based on the same subject content. Yeah. Or was it? yeah, I made a short film called Holler and it I, I couldn't find a, a young woman to be in it. So I found these two young boys who are also good. I shot it in a, in a scrapyard and then it became something very different. I sort of abandoned the entire story. It's similar in title and that it's set in a scrapyard and it really served as a, a directing sample for me and brought me some, brought me some opportunities, including, uh, you know, getting this feature film financed. But when people saw that short, I would say 70 plus financiers. And I really mean that 70 plus financiers rejected it and many of them rejected uh, the feature film because they wanted it to be about two boys and I said I don't know how to make that feature film this needs to be about my pursuit of an education as a young woman and as a young woman you face so many added layers of difficulty especially in Appalachia and I truly hope you know people see it I think that the key to a ticket out of anywhere is an education and, but that's hard to come by. Like an, I believe as a filmmaker, education, like therein lies your freedom. Therein lies your keys to whatever you want to do in the world. It doesn't even have to be filmmaking, but that is a freedom that is still so hard for young women like Ruth to even get. Sort of flesh out the, the storyline. So these, this brother and sister, Blaze and Ruth, we catch up with them as the they're living in a house that's been neglected. They don't have any money. They're they're dodging evictions. They're 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 just at the basically at wit's end as to how to keep going. And they've taken up collecting bottles and cans. And then they meet um, Hark, and he's the one that they're taking the cans to, and he's offering them an opportunity for I'll call it bigger game, if you will, in terms of. Uh, making money. And the idea of how they're making money is in some ways, it's a comment on industrial society 
in in America in this part of the the country that the fact that they're they're essentially looking for the scraps of what's left of a of an industrial area a region of the country and just picking over the remnants they're picking the bones of an industrial society yeah. essentially yeah I, I thought that works not only as a dramatic device, but also in terms of driving home your point, the things that you've been talking about. This is what's left. These people continue want to want to work hard. Yes, it's, it's what's left behind and they're profiting off of what's been left behind and they feel left behind. And Holler was a film where I took what's left behind and, and I still wanted to show you the beauty in it. I still think it's a beautiful place. I think that junkyard has beauty in it. And I wanted to film that and show that I didn't want to show, you know, desaturated images that that's all doom and gloom. I wanted to show you the glimpses of natural beauty that I as a storyteller, I see with my own eyes in, in that region, they are profiting off of what's been left behind with recycled metal. And that is the reality of these post-industrial towns. And it's not just Southeast Ohio, it's Detroit, it's Buffalo. Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, Pennsylvania, the steel the steel mills of Pennsylvania. Um, I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with the director, writer of this wonderful film called Holler, and that would be Nicole Regal. And it, as you mentioned, it's coming out on IFC Films. You can go to that ifcfilms.com to find out more about it. There's just terrific acting all the way around in the film. There really is. I happen to have seen Jessica Barden recently in Pink Skies Ahead. This could not be more different than her than her role in that. I thought she was absolutely wonderful. I thought that uh, Gus Halper as her brother Blaze, and then also um, Hark, played by Austin Emilio, is they're all, they're really all wonderful. And what's wonderful about their performances is. These are absolutely bedrock, believable people going through what they're going through. Your ability, not only in their acting and the writing, but the way that you shoot this, it just it's it looks like like you would imagine it to look. Thank you. Talk a little bit about what what you kind of what notes what you were hoping to convey in these performances. That they're all again, all three of them are wonderful. And by the way, a quick shout out to one of my favorite actors and you managed to uh, get her in this is Pamela Adlin, who is in it, not a whole lot, but she is such a wonderful actor. I love her. Yes. Yes. So, They're so great. I think, I think she and, and Becky Ann Baker, especially Becky Ann Baker are underutilized actors yeah, today. Yeah, and I, I yeah. wanted, one of my favorite things to do is to take comedic actors and allow them to be funny, but put them in dramatic roles. And I think I think a big actor like Adam Sandler has been allowed to do that so much, and and, he, and he's amazing. But I think someone like Becky Ann Baker is so underutilized and is such a treasure. As is Pam. There was a lot of prep for these roles. Um, Gus Halper, who's also tremendous in the film, is a musical theater guy, born and raised in Manhattan, New York, and so this could not be further from Gus's life. Whereas Jessica Barden sort of grew up in a similar working class background in England and could pull from that. And they're also, so, so what I like to do to get them to prepare is uh, for this role, Jessica and Gus lived in an Airbnb house together, this old farmhouse in Southern Ohio that I, I rented out for them and got that old uh, Ford F-150. And that was their vehicle and they lived together. 
and uh, gave them some movies to watch. And they were lived in the middle of nowhere together. They drove to work at that same scrapyard every day. I made them work in the scrapyard. Um, Austin Emilio, a week later, came to set for the film. And before we filmed with him, I made him work in the same scrapyard and he hung out with, you know, this guy, Joe Blair, who owns the scrapyard and he worked as one of the employees. And it's a town where everyone's a fan of The Walking Dead. Everyone there, but they love The Walking Dead, um, but they didn't recognize Austin. And I think people were selling things to the scrapyard to Austin and they didn't know it was him. But he was working in that scrapyard before we filmed in preparation for the role. And he was walking around the town and, and everything. And just, I needed them to, to really immerse themselves. Becky Ann Baker hung out with those factory workers. She hung out with them on their breaks, drove around the town. Everyone really was game to immerse themselves in this before cameras rolled. And then just as an added layer of immersion, I surround them with first timers, as I call them, but all the local actors in the film. And they're not just extras, like they're act, these are characters. These are people who live and work in town. Larry, who plays Tiger Boy, they're all playing fi uh, fictionalized versions of themselves. He's an aspiring hip hop artist who works at Olive Garden in the town. And we found him and asked him to come be a part of it. And all the hip hop music that you hear in the film, that's his original music. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, and Pudge, who shows her how to use all the tools and everything in the scrapyard, had worked around scrap metal before, and we found him working at a heating and cooling place in a hotel we were staying in. And so we brought him into the film. And that's how people were all brought into the movie, to play sort of these fictionalized versions of themselves and to have a say in their characters. Well, one of the things that's very impressive about the film, and I think this is something that will serve serves any filmmaker well, and certainly moving forward for you, and that is there are a number of different storylines going on in the film. There, some of them are kind of tangential to the actual the, the the heart of the story, but you're able to establish very quickly in each one of these things how they fit in, why they're important, why they add to the kind of the the flavor of the film. I think you you really did a lot of things, but you kept your eye on the ball in terms of telling their stories, telling Ruth's story. She's so good. You know, she, it's in the eyes. It's in something about her in, in terms of her kind of her determination her tenacity comes through as you watch her go through what she goes through. And, and it, it stays true to itself. This is a story that just it really does stay true to itself. And I think that's quite an accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, the film, again, is called Holler, and we've been talking with the writer and the director of it. And see, check this out. Seek it out. ifcfilms.com. It's one of those films that will stay with you. I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Nicole Regal, thank you. Of course. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.